0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, Two things before we get started. Um, If you don't mind, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or an iOS device, if you really enjoy the show, uh, leave us a five-star review and leave us a comment. Tell me what you like about it. Uh, That really helps us and and helps more people find the podcast. So I would really appreciate it really appreciate that. And in return, uh, make sure you go over to our Facebook. We're giving away uh, a set of tires on Facebook for free. Supergrip ATV has jumped on board and just kind of just given us the opportunity to give a set of their new K9 tires away. Uh, a one inch tread depth, eight ply sidewall, uh, even offering a Kevlar sidewall option, just a super, super, super tire. And all you have to do is follow the instructions on Facebook and get yourself entered in those tires. Excuse me. Um, today's show is brought to you by We Buy Rides. That's www. with a Z. dot com. Uh, we Buy Rides is a excellent place if you're looking to get rid of your car or acquire a new diesel four x four Highline vehicle or any other kind for that matter. Um, we Buy Rides is where you want to go. Uh, they're small business, but they move a ton of cars through there, so they can guarantee that they'll give you the highest cash offer for your vehicle. Get you in the door, out the door, hassle free. Their customer service and dealing with me and the podcast and our negotiations and things like that uh, has been unparalleled. I've really enjoyed doing business with them. Uh, I know that they're going to treat you the exact same way. So before you go to a CarMax or Carvana or all the other different third parties, I highly recommend you check out WeBuyRides.com, see what cars they have on the lot. Um, If you're looking for something in particular, I'm sure you could reach out to them and get something squared away with them. They can be on the look for you and that way you can bring your vehicle in, get the highest cash offer for that vehicle and they'll get you the vehicle you want, send you right on your way. And they're all gonna do it treating you really well. There's a lot of shade in the the car industry and I know that WeBuyRides.com and the guys over at We Buy Rides will treat you with nothing but respect and honesty. So make sure you check those guys out. We Buy Rides on Facebook and www.webuyrides with a Z at the end there.com. Uh, just go visit their website and see what they've got going on. Another sponsor of the show is Infinite Off Road. Infinite Off Road has been with us since the very beginning. They offer a 25 year I mean, pretty much no questions asked warranty. It's a 25-year warranty, even covering accidental damage. That's on all infant off-road products, which includes their light bars, light pods, mirrors with lights in them, wheel rings, uh, rock lights, which is a huge one, man. Their rock lights are just the top of the top in the entire off-road community. Uh, I've seen them on everything from motorcycles to boats to jacked up monster trucks, to jeeps, and, and razors, everything you can think of. Uh, there's an application there for Infinite Off-Road to fit in. Uh, they actually offer listeners of the podcast a 10% off the entire website. Uh, that's code word R-O-C-K-S, rocks, 10% off the entire website at checkout. Um, and if you, if you need anything from them or have any kind of questions in terms of what you'll need to get set up, uh, reach out to them on Facebook or send them an email or give them a call. We buy or I'm sorry, Infinite Off-Road, the customer service is absolutely awesome. I've been dealing with Mike since 2013, and he has really always done me right and gone way above and beyond to make sure that every I've had everything that I've ever needed, and uh I'm really, really glad to have Infinite off uh on sponsor the show. Uh, another sponsor is all things UTV. All Things UTV has also been with the show for such a long time and I'm so glad because again, their customer service is excellent, their shipping time is excellent, they're basically the one-stop shop for all your side-by-side and UTV needs. One thing I really love to highlight is their custom-designed firewall guards. Uh, They have taken the, the plastic guards that are, you know, there's the floorboard where you put your feet and then there's the section just in front of your feet there. That 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 wall right there is just plastic, and I'm sure some of you have seen the photos on you know Instagram and Facebook and things like that, where sticks will come through there, come flying right past people's heads, or you know unfortunately I saw one where there was a leg through a gentleman's or there was a stick through a gentleman's leg. There we go, and uh, unfortunately it's just a it's just a really overlooked thing by the manufacturer. But all things UTV has you covered. They have steel inserts that so tightly fit into those to keep you safe and keep your ride safer, keep your children safer, keep your co-pilot safer. It's just a win-win all the way around and they're super reasonably priced and they come powder coated. That's a really big thing for me from all things UTV, but they also have the best prices on wheels, tires, axles, man, I mean, just everything, seats, uh, doors, Springs, they offer a full spring kit now, the Cloud9 kit. If you're not looking to just upgrade your tender springs to making them actually usable, they actually offer a full kit now with crossover rings, turning your car into a true dual rate system. Uh, Absolutely awesome. Their suspension components that carry the top of the line, special carriers, manufacturing, suspension components, and everything in between. All Things UTV is absolutely awesome, and I really have enjoyed doing business with them, and I can't you know, tell you how much it excites me to have them as part of the show. Um, and speaking of which, uh, you can find All Things UTV at allthingsutv.com or All Things UTV on Instagram and Facebook. Today's show, we have James Cantrell. Uh, James was the second episode of the podcast, and he's going to be episode 41 today. Um, James is an awesome guy. He has raced all over the country. We talk about racing big cars, we talk about King of Hammers, and we talk about some of the adjustments he's made to his car in hopes to uh, have a more successful year than his last year out. Um, hopefully, you know, for those of you that are listening after uh, the, the Sunday, or I guess it's tomorrow now, uh, of King of the Hammers for the UTV race, I hope James comes back with uh, some hardware for us on the East Coast, and uh, I'm really excited to see what happens in that race tomorrow. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, James Control. Get a drink and gather round. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us and
1: let's talk about racing on the rocks.
2: James Cantrell on the way to King of Hammers. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good, man. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great, actually. I feel like I'm doing probably a lot better than you are, considering you've been in the car for well over 24 hours.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm doing a little better now. We're on the home stretch. We got about an hour and a half left, and we'll be there, so I can't complain too much.
2: Yeah, and, and thanks to everyone for being patient with this episode, because, um, we'll get into it, obviously, in this episode, but, uh... Thank you, too, James, because I know we've tried to nail down a time on exactly when we wanted to record, and it's just been like a little bit of miss here, a little bit of miss here, and then, uh, you know, life gets in the middle of all that. So I'm glad we could finally connect before you got there, um, because I'm basically going to be doing King of Amherst interviews for uh, what it looks like the next month, and I am super stoked to
1: continue that process with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. It should be fun. Uh, King of the Hammers is always a great event. I mean, once you've been once, it's kind of one of those things you never miss it again.
2: Yeah, and that's – so as being someone who's never been, uh, you know, you see the hype behind it. You see the the whole off-road community really makes, like, a a hard push for King of the Hammers. Um, Is it – do you think that that's just because this is the big West Coast race? Like, this is, like, the race of the year? Is that how you would look at King
1: Hammers? Yeah, I would say it's the biggest race, in Ultra 4, definitely, um, for the season. It's probably the biggest race in the United States, I mean, as far as attendance-wise. I mean, mm-hmm. they're expecting around 60,000 spectators this year.
2: 60,000 um, spectators? Yeah. Dang.
1: That's nuts. It's crazy. I think this is my seventh year going, and each year um, when you drive in and out of town, you progressively see the town growing out of the desert, and um it's really impressive on how much it's changed over the past seven years.
2: Yeah, I would imagine so. I know I've been keeping up with uh Cody Wagner over at Lasertown. He's been putting pictures up every day, and, and it's just amazing to me that you guys are in, like, an extremely remote location, but everyone has cell service. I'm seeing everybody's updates. You know, uh, media is out there recording videos, getting those posted up same day, like, within an hour. Um, It's kind of amazing that uh, this small town has the infrastructure to be supported as well.
1: Yeah, Ultra Four does a great job with all the logistics and everything and getting everything going up. Dave Cole, oh, I couldn't imagine trying to put this on. I know they're out here five weeks in advance trying to get everything going, plus months and months of planning and permits and everything that goes in it to put on this event. So, I mean, it's truly amazing to come out here and see what they've done.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's just dive right into it. Um, you have had a week. You have, you mentioned you've had a couple weeks before we got on the phone. Uh Tell me about getting this car ready because, uh, you know, I think a couple weeks ago you posted a picture of the car completely torn down, and it looks like you've made some pretty serious, you know, cage modifications, chassis modifications. Can you walk us through, you know, before you started this process, what was your goal in, in changing the
1: vehicle? What, what did you want to change? What did you want to make better? I've had a fuel cell sitting around for a while, and um after last year, we had to stop a bunch at every pit, pretty much, to take fuel with the stock fuel tank. And I've always wanted to add extra capacity, and with the 20-gallon Pyrotech, you can pretty much do a one-stop race if you have a Queen Race, the King of the Hammers. Um, and that's, that's a huge advantage in a race like this. So it really all started with tearing the car down to try to figure out how to get the fuel cell in it, and one thing led to another, and the saws all came out. And, we chopped the whole back of the car off, the cage off, all the seat mounts, door bars. I mean, we cut it down to pretty much the bare frame and started over.
2: How much fuel do these things carry with the stock tank?
1: I want to say you're right around the 10-gallon of okay. usable capacity before you start running out.
2: Okay, so you doubled the fuel intake. Um, you've still got room for a co-driver. Where where is your fuel tank at? Is it still under one of the seats, or is it? I mean, yeah, it's the awesome. fuel tank
1: the fuel tank actually runs underneath the driver and passenger seat. Now it takes up that whole area where the battery was, fuse block, factory tank, all that stuff. Does
2: battery the drive shaft just pass through?
1: Drive shaft just barely clears it. It's a custom tank that they built, um, and it's got a nice notch and everything for so the drive shaft just to tuck up underneath it. That was one of the real challenges of getting in the car because I'm super tall torso wise and to get the cage low and get the fuel cell to clear the drive shaft and everything was a real challenge
2: yeah i believe it and especially you know i just i don't know if it's if it's just my precautionary nature um but i feel like you'd be hesitant having you know the drive shaft potentially going you know essentially through your fuel cell um is it, are you using a special drive shaft or like a really strong drive shaft that you trust in terms of not you know twisting or snapping in half or
1: something yeah, we've been running RCB's drive shaft, their one-piece prop shaft, which they, which they don't really make anymore for the public. Um, they've upgraded everybody to the two-piece shaft, which works great. I've just always ran the one-piece and had zero failures in three years of hard abuse. It's one of the only parts I can say I haven't broken.
0: Mm,
2: interesting. Well, that's good, and that's good that you've got that kind of, that kind of faith in that product, because that would be an unfortunate thing to have happen in the middle of your race—is your fuel cell have an issue like that?
1: Yeah, and I always think people have problems lo- with carrier bearings and such. You know, that's why I went mm-hmm. to the one-piece. I just simplicity.
2: Now, from an engineering perspective, I don't know enough about that one-piece. Is it just a—is it—is it just a lighter, more balanced, like just a more well-made drive shaft that it doesn't require a carrier bearing, or why, or how do they escape the
1: carrier bearing? It's a dual TV shaft. They run a TV on each end, and it's a real thin wall tubing that's uh, really well-balanced. And Hmm. I've had zero issues out of it, and high speed, no breakage. I mean, it's been great. Hmm. It allows me to get rid of the carrier bearing and just run a one-piece shaft across the chassis.
2: Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I I didn't realize that the one-piece completely removed the carrier bearing, too. Um, but that's awesome so you mentioned that you cut the pack half, half of the car out and I'm, I'm actually looking at one of the pictures that GCI digital imaging put up uh, it's like a side picture of it you you literally cut the back off this car
1: <laughs> yeah I cut it's, the back uh, off <laughs> we cut all the door bars out of it uh, made a lot of just little changes where it still uses all the factory plastics um, besides the firewall behind the seats. it still looks like a factory Polaris Razor but we got rid of the doors, which you probably know. I've had a lot of uh, <laughs> incidents with doors falling off over the year.
2: Yeah, man. I don't. I, that's that is like one thing. It seems like you can always count on is that you'll cross the finish line and either have a door open or a door gone.
1: <laughs> I, man, I I really don't know what it is. I tried everything <laughs> I knew to try to keep doors on that thing, and they just did not agree with me. So finally, I decided. And as a safety standpoint, you can't get past solid doors. When you got everything tied together from eight all the way down to the uh, rub rail on the bottom of the chassis, you add a (laughs) lot of strength to the car.
2: Yeah, that's very true as well. Now, those doors don't open, correct? No, they're
1: solid welded.
2: Okay. So, it's funny, you know, going through all this, I'm actually prepping or getting ready to have some plans for the car that I'm building right now. And one of my big things is I've got to have doors. I had a tube chassis rock bouncer and probably the most annoying thing ever was trail riding that car because you had to jump in and out and it was a task and if the car had mud on it or anything like that it was like a slip and slide trying to get out of there so I'm curious if anybody has the answer to strong enough doors that can handle some serious abuse uh, that's still open outside of custom doors because um, that's always an option but you know would prefer not to spend two grand on doors if I can avoid it um, you yeah. know yeah <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it'll
1: get expensive quick. Um, I've heard a lot of people having luck with like the Pro Armor doors and such and stuff like that. Um, okay. The doors are on this bar were custom from the beginning, and uh, mm-hmm. it's just been one thing after another with them.
2: So, have you built a full spare tire carrier back there? Because I see you kind of have a you have a new extended rear bumper too. Um,
1: is is that to carry a spare as well? Yeah, that's to carry a spare for the hammers. We wanted to get the spare out back and move some of them. The rear
2: end. There... You kind of cut out on me there just a little bit. You said you wanted to move some of the weight to the back there?
1: Yeah, we're trying to keep a little more weight in the back. We moved the battery up front, and mm-hmm. so uh, we're trying to move a little more weight to the rear end to keep the car balanced as possible.
2: Now, when you guys modified the chassis, did y'all change the geometry on that rear uh, shock at all? Because it looks like, I don't know if it's the, is it? Is it in the same angle no, the
1: shocks are the shocks are all in the factory position uh i didn't mess with anything geometry wise on the razor everything they have flair spent a lot of time getting everything designed is the way i see it as far as a uh, suspension standpoint i've never had an issue with the geometry and stuff on it so we decided yeah. to leave all that factory
2: yeah yeah that's a that super super wise decision um so you made these adjustments to the car What issues did you have that that (laughs) that were you were seemingly fighting until you know a a day or two ago? Oh,
1: um, you really
2: go. This won't take any time to build a cage. Hey James, just a little bit.
1: I can hear me better now.
2: Yeah, much better.
1: Yeah, you know. It's kind of one of those things, once you start getting into it, it, you think it's going to go quick and then you end up, every little thing adds up, moving the wiring, harnesses, batteries. It ends up all being uh, a major project by the time you get to the end of it, uh, especially with the fuel cells, running fuel lines, fuel fittings, all the stuff to make it all work, get everything mounted right. It ended up being uh, a little more than I was planning.
2: So, you, you mentioned to me that you were having, uh, intercooler problems, and we're well, not necessarily problems, but just kind of getting that solution figured out. Do you guys get everything squared away where you're 100% confident in the car?
1: Oh, I'm, uh, we're about 95% done right now. Uh, I got, uh, get some seatbelts picked up on the lake bed as I was installing them. I realized they were expired. Kind of a last thing I overlooked. Uh, but PRP's got us hooked up with some new seatbelts. They're sitting here waiting for us when we get there. Um, but other than that, cool. I think we're pretty much ready to go. We got all the problems solved. And we really didn't change much from what we ran last year as far as setup-wise on the car. We're still running the RCD axles. We're still running the same clutch setup. The only thing we really did from a setup standpoint is add a larger fuel cell to the car. Okay.
2: Now, I'm looking to, are you running 32s on the on the car this year?
1: Yeah, we're running the 32 BFG KR2s. I ran them for three seasons now.
2: Okay, Uh, we've
1: got the last two KOHs with no flat. Wow, that's pretty impressive.
2: So I have two questions, and we'll piggyback off that one. Um, Those tires are obviously expensive. Uh, In the East Coast, I've seen some guys run them and have success. Um, It looks like a you know a a much more West Coast style tire. Um, Are are, are those you know kind of just answered it for me? But are those tires really you know live up to the the BF Goodrich hype? Kind of behind the name because. Guys out in the East Coast just don't ever run them. I've seen one person in particular, and and you know, eh, I was that's kind of my feelings towards them. Are they really that good of a tire that's comparable to the other options?
1: Uh, one hundred percent. I'm a true believer in the KR twos. I mean, they're they're one of the toughest tires I've ever ran. Uh, I mean, I've hit some stuff in the past couple seasons where I immediately thought I had flat, and the tire took it and just kept rocking. Uh, When you get in rocks, and especially wet rock, I mean, they work really well with the compound of the tires. They're not, I won't lie, they're not the 100% best mud tire out there. That's not what they were developed for. Sure. But they definitely work. I mean, if you remember the first pro rock race this year at 30 Turtle, it was an absolute mud best. And we had no problems climbing anything, getting anywhere we wanted to go. We had lots of traction. We were actually pushing a couple people uphill for them. Dude, that's awesome, yeah that
2: that race every single year just gets crazy amounts of rain and uh I think that that's a pretty good testament in terms of you know east coast uh success with the tire, so there's definitely something to be said for that um my other question for you was the last couple times I've seen you and and you know we've kind of talked here and there, but uh you always mentioned your 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 magic set of 28s. should have run the 28s. I've heard you say it more than once. Uh, why is a 28 or a smaller size tire and wheel, like, why is that not a good option for King of the Hammers? Are the rocks that big?
1: The rocks out here are that big. Um, Mm. there's really nothing that you can...
2: Okay. Third time's the charm here. (laughs) Um, I was asking you, uh... The reason you're running the 32s are just due to the, uh, you know, just the enormity of the terrain out there. And one thing that I always like to ask, you know, a lot of the listeners are East Coast-based. We do have a big following out West Coast, but uh, East Coast, it's a lot more, you know, I don't want to say smaller rocks, but rocks with a lot less traction. Is, the, is just the overall size of the rocks and the rock trails out there, is it that much bigger than the East Coast?
1: Yeah, the Rock Trails out here, there's nothing like it. I mean, there's rocks besides the Volkswagen you're trying. I run a big 36 on the car out here. You'll see some guys running 35s. I mean, it's, uh, it's a big tire race. So
2: you've got guys out there running 35s on their Razors and their 10AMs?
1: Yep. Yeah, That's a guys big tires. Five KR2 PSGs on their cars
2: dude that's nuts man especially to be I feel like you know personally I feel like the 32 is so hard on those wear and tear parts like ball joints and bearings and things like that that you know I, that's a it's a good tire to run but you kind of pay the price for it I, I can't imagine having 35s you know just mutilating your steering rack and other things like that
1: yeah it's kind of rough Dustin Jones ran them last year and he ended up breaking two dips in a 10 a.m. Uh, with the cool. 35s on it during the race um Go tough on parts, but then they give you a huge advantage in the rock trails if you can be smooth and smart and not keep the party going.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, so I was just cruising through everything here. Speaking of steering, you have one of those fancy hydraulic steering systems now, don't you?
1: Yeah, I have it sitting uh, on the shelf at the house. Um, it's not in this car.
2: Okay, have you got a chance to drive uh, a car with that system in there yet?
1: I haven't, but if it's anything like the Forty four hundred car that I used to have, I know it'll be uh, night and day different over what the electronic power steering can handle.
2: Yeah, that's that's I'm just so curious because obviously I know the price tag is pretty hefty and having hydraulic steering of any kind, you know, uh when we talked to Jordan Pellegrino the first thing that he mentioned on his new car is that he's not using hydraulic steering and and it I'd never really put two and two together Um, Me being someone who's never driven a car with hydraulic steering. But when you have hydraulic, it removes the direct linkage to the steering wheel in the 4,400 cars, the big cars. And he's like, you know, you're steering and you don't know which way the tires get deflected by the terrain until your car starts going that way. And he said, you know, at speed, it's a little bit of a difficult thing to kind of keep under control. Is, is it the same? I mean, I, I guess you said you haven't driven one yet. I'm very curious yeah. if it's the same way.
1: Well, the way it was designed, it's more built like a newer trophy truck. It actually has a steering rack okay. that goes in line has um, a mechanical feedback linkage. So, you'll actually get feedback through the steering wheel like you would out of a normal car, but it has, it's more of a hydraulic assist than a mm-hmm. full hydraulic system.
2: Okay, that makes sense. Now, that that has me more excited than initially what I had assumed it was.
1: Yeah, it's not going to drive, like, Cash's original uh, Razor Buggy has just straight full hydro, mm-hmm. and uh, from talking to John and Cash and kind of getting feedback from them, there was a uh, huge the problems like we discussed, you uh, hit the nail on the head from talking to Jordan. You don't really know with a full hydraulic system where the tires are pointed, which way the car is going. You don't have any of that feel in the steering wheel. Yeah, and And with the the new system, it solves all those problems.
2: Yeah, and that's that's awesome that they've done that. And it's also really great that, you know, it's just, I don't know, the, the sport is evolving. We're getting some really, really cool technology in these in these smaller cars and that's super exciting. Um one thing I did want to ask you is um your graphics. So obviously the car looks awesome. It's got the the Madram logo, you've got your other sponsors on there. Um and, and feel free to, you know, go into as depth as much depth or as little, but how much does it cost to get a car wrapped like that? You know, if if you come with the designs and everything how much does it cost to get a wrap uh put on your car and design? Because I actually would like to do that to my, my
1: personal car. It varies. It's typically between eighteen hundred or sorry, eight hundred and twelve hundred bucks. Okay. That's uh, to get the wrap done, which isn't terrible, you know what I mean, considering mm-hmm. what the amount of work that goes into it. Yeah. Uh, and they they look so much better when they're wrapped. I mean, oh, the my cars gosh. Come out, they they look fantastic.
2: Yeah, GTI, I, I,
1: uh, I mean they did they did an awesome job on the razor this year. I couldn't be happier with the way the rap turned out.
2: Yeah, no kidding. I, it's funny, you know. Every, everyone knows that as I'm doing these interviews, I'm on the person's Facebook and I'm just sitting here sifting through it. And I, I looked at your previous wraps and things like that, and I really think that um, this is the one where you guys nailed it. Uh, the color is good. It's very clear. It looks awesome. Having that full door also gives you a lot more real estate there. It just it just looks great. And you know, as someone who uh, you know, obviously, you want to give back to your sponsors and those who are, you know, racers looking for sponsorships and want to offer that, offer those capabilities to sponsors to have room on their car, um, stock doors, all that stuff. It just, it just, it's really hard to make that work by just putting stickers and stuff on there. Um, so getting your car wrapped is super important, and it really takes you from a weekend rider to, uh, you know. This car, where I'm looking at it right here, I know that you guys, you, you have the aesthetic of a very professional race team that came ready uh, with their ducks in a row, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, Jeff Roland, uh, he does a great job laying everything out on the car to where it doesn't look cluttered and it actually looks really professional, and uh, that's a big thing. I mean, a lot of people, I've seen a lot of graphics get designed and they're cluttered and you got mm-hmm. stuff here, stuff there. Um, they really like, as far as marketing, something clean, you know, that really pops and catches the eye of everybody. That's what it comes back down to as sponsors, as marketing.
2: Yeah, and before we jump back into King of Hammers, um, how did, you know, for guys like myself and other people listening who would love to have someone else contribute to their to their car fund, What is, it, what is how do you pick up a sponsor? How do you even start that process of, saying, hey, I'm going to race, for example, Pro Rock and Ultra 4 East Coast. Uh, you have someone who wants to race that, and they're looking to pick up sponsors. How do you do that?
1: The best thing I can tell you is build relationships with people that you buy your products from. Mm-hmm. Um, it took us a lot of years. Uh, I started out doing this with my good, uh, one of my best friends, Casey Ryan, and we bought every part, paid full retail for everything we bought for the car, and built the Jeep, went out, started racing, started having success. Uh When we would a couple of the products, we call and talk to the people we bought them from. And then slowly but surely, we started building relationships with people. And it really helps to keep running the same product and not jumping back and forth uh to a bunch of different stuff. Uh, a lot of the people that we've had on the car, we've had on the car since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big thing is sticking with somebody and just building that relationship. And that's the biggest thing to bring the sponsors in is getting that personal relationship with them in then the results uh, are always important you know what I mean the sponsors <laughs> have the results at the races yeah yep yep I think that that's
2: that's wise words right there um so let's talk King of Hammers Skin. you're on your way you know you said the car is about 95-ish percent done you got belts to put in is there anything else you guys need to do before you can get out and really go get the car running through the uh through the desert
1: uh, nothing major. I had some new shocks built, uh, from Walker Evans, uh, for this season. Uh, I gotta pick those up when I get here and install them on the car. Um, and then just do a quick nut-bolt check, um, give a once-over on the car. Uh, it's been a long couple days, so make sure I didn't miss anything, uh, put the car together and then take it out and shake it out and see what happens.
2: Yeah, and actually, uh, while we were waiting for the service to come back, um, you have a set of Walker shocks for sale. Are those still available?
1: No,
2: I actually just sold them. Oh, okay. All right. Cool, cool. Good to know. I, uh, I'm i about to send my set off, and I was like, man, if I can pick up another set that's already got some tuning to them, that would be awesome. But
1: Yeah, they're going to be uh, going to another race for Pro Rock uh going to run them this year.
2: Good. Good, good, good. Good for them. Everybody needs to keep the competition stiff. Um, well, actually, let's talk about that real quick before we jump into the King Hammers. Um, you ran Pro Rock this year. Did you run all the races?
1: Yeah, I ran um, all the events this year with Pro Rock. I uh, had a couple issues uh, throughout the season. What were the issues? Uh, driver error was a big one. Uh, <laughs> That's, <laughs> funny. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I made a, I made a few mistakes this year and cost us uh, a couple podium chances. Um, mm-hmm. At AOP, we had a podium going, and I ended up rolling the car the last race of the season. Just a dumb mistake. Uh, pushing it too hard. Mm-hmm. And then we had a few mechanicals just blue stuff uh lots of bells uh I mean it's just stuff that you just can't help yeah yeah where were you here but
2: uh well I mean
1: Pro Rock is no joke I mean it personally I think Pro Rock's got the stiffest competition throughout the whole class I mean there's I think 10 to 15 guys that could podium any race if it goes their way
2: yeah yeah I agree with you And and being a part of that last race um they put some gnarly courses together. It's rough. It is just rough. And regular listeners of the show know I, I'm not complaining about it, but I talk about it quite a bit um, because it was it was a violent course there at Adventure Off-Road Park. Um, but where was your favorite race for the year? Do you like a more wide-open track, or do you like a more, like,
1: rough AOP-style race? Uh, the rougher the better. Um, I, I consider myself to be really good at the Rocks. Uh, really good at technical rock crawling uh, picking lines being smart with the car Uh, there's a lot of other guys that are a lot faster out in the woods Uh, I mean McCoy there's I can't say anything I've tried to run with him out in the woods and uh, it's insane the speed he carries through some of the sections
2: yeah you're you're telling me man I I watched him pass me uh, like I think twice to be honest with you I think it was actually Nathan that passed me twice and uh, dude, it was just I, I would get behind them and try and stay with them, and it was just an unbelievable speed that their machine could not only handle, but just, I don't, I just don't understand how the machine stayed together as
1: fast as he was going.
2: It just yeah, blows my
1: mind. They had, um, I mean, their program this year was top-notch. I mean, that mm-hmm. that came a lot in, to do with their success this year, not to mention Nathan Wolf and Jamie McCore, both, I mean, outstanding drivers, um, mm-hmm. and Gary does all those shock packages, but... I mean, they put in the effort this year. They 100% deserve the success they got this year.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you race any Ultra 4 Titan Series or Ultra 4 East Coast?
1: Yeah, I did the full East Coast Series. We ended up fifth in points. Uh, we got a second-place finish at the Dirty Turtle off the four race. Uh cool. Right behind McCoy, and uh, he won that one, too. And
0: gotcha. And
1: uh we did the Titan Series. We did the full Titan Series. Ended up fourth in points in it. Uh, had a few mechanical lost a motor in Oklahoma, at the ultra for Titan Race. Just a little bit of bad blood throughout the season.
2: Yeah, but I mean, you might as well go ahead and get it out of the way as you're heading into the the biggest race of the year. Uh, you hope that those those ailments are behind you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, hoping we got all our gremlins out last week. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was gonna ask you something else, but I forgot. Anyway, we'll just jump right into King Hammers. Uh what's the strategy this year? Obviously, it's your third time going back. I think you mentioned that earlier. And uh you know, every year it gets better. Some years fluke things happen. What's the plan this year?
1: Uh our plan this year is to push a little harder than we did last year. Um, we had a we had a few issues last year with the car leaving the line, going into limp mode, and we had a couple mechanicals uh, we still ended up finishing twentieth overall last year. Um, out of, I think twenty eighth that ended up finishing the race. Uh, our goal this year is to get out and push and try to run up front. I'd really, on, a, I'd really like to be a top ten. Uh, if we have a clean race, I'd like to be a top five or top of the podium.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And there's the the crazy thing about all of this is that at any given point, anyone is capable. Like all of the guys in, in, that are at that top level, like you are. It, it, the, it could swap. Everyone could be at the potential, you know, top ten, top five, or podium. It, it, it's just, it really is a toss-up on the day.
1: Yeah, it just comes down to whether it's your day or not. Um, yeah. All the guys, you know, I mean, everybody puts in the hours. Everybody puts in the work. Everybody shows up with their A game. And it just comes down in the end, is, is it your day or not? Yeah, yeah. So
2: where do you think, you know, you said you wanted to, you want to stay out in front. Uh, where do you think you're going to gain the most time? Where, where are you gonna? Where are you gonna have the most success? Is it gonna be in the oh, rock sections?
1: Definitely in the rock. Um, I struggle out in the desert. I, being from the East Coast, you know, we only see the desert when we come out here to race King of the Hammers. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these desert guys, all the professionals that are out here, uh, they're fast. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. It's insane the speed they can carry through the desert and the dust, and uh, they definitely pick up a lot on that first lap uh, That's the des- big desert loop. And then lap dudes mainly a rock sections where you see a lot of the guys when they need to go start making up time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, are, is it just their car set up? Is it
2: just more more leaning towards the desert? Or is it just the driver experience of, you know, I know how to navigate the tosses and turns and the whoops throughout the desert sections?
1: I think it comes down to a lot of just driver. Uh, a lot of these guys run best in the desert store. Uh, that's of the kind of racing they do out here is all desert racing. And, uh, the speed they can carry, the stuff they see that we just don't pick up. Being from the East Coast, having the experience that they do uh, is a huge advantage out here on my one.
2: Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Um, well, that's that's pretty much, that. that's, that's it's so funny because King of Hammers is such a big race and there's so much that goes into it but what you just said, I mean, that's it. Push the car a little harder, make up time in the rocks and that's, that's a, that's a about as, Good of a game plan as you know you can have going into this race,
1: yeah, you'll try to do your free running uh our plan is to get up in the morning and start free running. We'll go check out last one and then go check out a couple of the rock sections. Um, but come race day out here, you just got to kind of take it as it comes. You never know what bottleneck you get in stuck in alternate line you got to take i mean mm-hmm. it's such a long race, it's really challenging how to make it to the finish line
2: now, how many miles is it
1: this year? I want to say it's around 160. I haven't seen the exact mileage yet. Uh, I think you're
2: right. I think it's somewhere in that ballpark.
1: But I think it's in the 160 ballpark. And it'll probably take, uh, I'd say, you'll see your leaders come across the line in about six hours. (sighs) Son, that's just so long That's such a long time to be in that car. Gosh. Uh, Uh, And the first lap fast. I mean, you're done with the first desert loop in a good, say, hour and a half. You're finished with lap one and then you're spending the rest Dang. of the day just beating through the rocks. Now, they had y'all
2: going down back door this year, right?
1: Cuz y'all didn't run it last year. How yes, do you, you to go down back door both laps?
2: <laughs> How do you feel? Oh, both laps? Oh man, that's awesome. As a fan, I think I watched it in 2017. Uh yeah, 2017 was the last time y'all went down back door if I'm not mistaken. And uh man, it just it's, it's, I understand that backdoor is big, and it gets rutted out and things like that, but, uh, the way they have the schedule set up this year, you guys are pretty much running before everybody else. Um, granted, it'll still be dug out because all the pre-running if anybody chooses to do so. Um, but man, on race day, backdoor going down, people just lost their minds last time it happened. Uh, it just seems like a lot of those guys just really struggle on just getting down it. Uh, is, is it, is it that hard? I mean, it's a big, Waterfall, but is it's it that hard? Okay, is that uh, just what it The nerves.
1: It's a lot of nerves. I think a lot of people get really intimidated coming off, of the stab the brakes, and anytime you're dropping off something and you touch the brakes, things are going to go bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I love dropping off stuff. I don't mind going down or anything. Uh, I think it's fun.
2: Well, yeah, that's very. It, it's a very East Coast obstacle where it's just this. You know, you have the the big hump over the very, very top, and then when you hit Backdoor itself, I mean, that's very reminiscent of things we'll see on the East Coast where, you know, it's just a single giant obstacle, and, and you guys climb these things and then immediately come right back down. I would have to imagine that your experience with that kind of racing and that kind of course uh, plays in your favor in those big rock sections like that.
1: Yeah, coming from doing the East Coast rock bouncing and all the stuff that we do out on the East Coast, I mean, coming off rock sections out here, it's nothing that really bothers us East Coast guys. Yeah. It's, it's, Go ahead. It's a totally different style rock out here. You know, coming from the East Coast, we have zero traction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, The best way I can describe it is like wheeling on sandpaper. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of throttle control and everything that goes into driving out here that you don't have to worry about on the east
2: coast i will my my plan and i don't no one hold me to this my plan is to try to be out there next year and uh hopefully have a, have a, at least a couple cars out there for myself so uh eventually when one breaks i'll have something else to ride around in um and i'll i'll get out there and, and, and hopefully get a chance to experience it because i've never experienced anything quite like that um other than there's some places in windrock where you can get on some sandstone that's it's pretty grippy, but, you know, not at the scale uh, of, of Johnson Valley, for sure. Um, but you mentioned, you know, your experience in rock bouncing. Do you miss your time in the big cars?
1: Yeah, I really do. Um, There's something like those big cars, the amount of horsepower they make. And, the I mean, they're just violent. They're yeah. a lot of fun to drive.
2: Now, would you run, if you had, you know, to- take it back five years, and you have your big car, You're, you raced that King of Hammers in the 4400 class, is that correct? Or were you in the 4800? Yeah, we ran we ran the
1: 4400 class in the big it's car.
2: Gnarly, man. Because, you know, you don't have necessarily the traditional Ultra 4 chassis and things like that. Uh, it's a very unique, you know, you, you guys had it set up unique. Um, I, I don't really see a whole lot of cars that look like that. It wasn't a bomber chassis. It wasn't one of the new IFS chassis. Uh, did you... Let me think about how I want to say this. If you had that car right now in tip-top shape, would you run the Pro Rock Endurance Series in that car, or would you do the Hill killing like you used to?
1: I'd probably do both, honestly. Um, the way we had it, the way we had it set up, uh, you could literally just swap tires on it. And you could go do both, would um, really? be decently competitive. Um, at both, I mean, we had great success rock bouncing with it, and we had really good success in endurance racing it. Uh, that car did a little bit of everything great. Um, at Back then, things uh, have really progressed in the last three, four years as far as the ultra four scene and the rock bouncing scene, too. I mean, if you're looking at the horsepower that Gold Rush and Tenney and everybody's <laughs> putting out now, it's... uh They've really stepped up the game, and everybody's suspension is on point now. Uh, it's a it's a totally different ballgame than it was three years ago.
2: Yeah, that's very true. And in both categories, ultra four and rock bouncing, uh, they're both getting more specialized. It seems. It, it seems like you know Timmy's new car that he has, uh, while you know it's extremely successful as we've seen already this year um, in the East Coast. Do you think that that car, given, you know, spare parts and all that fun stuff and fuel and blah, 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 um, would that car have success out in those long-distance King of Hammer style race?
1: Uh, the way that chassis is designed, um, Tim built it really specialized for hillbilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the A-arm geometry and everything is very similar to what the guys are running in the old sport stuff uh, as far as the trailing arms and layout of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tim could take the car and make a couple changes to it as far as fuel cell and heat placement and actually be able to see out of it. He'd come out <laughs> here and have a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but the Ultra 4 cars now are, just, I mean, it's the same thing at like the opposite end of the spectrum. They're getting so specialized now and, uh, it's crazy the engineering that's gone into all these things in the past few years that, at how well they work now.
2: If money was no object, would you build a IFS car or would you take the laser nut route, uh, build a completely independent car or would you go back to your, you know, solid front axle car as well? Which, which one would you choose if you could pop one out right now?
1: It would definitely be IFS, um, and now as far as the independent rear suspension or solid axle, I'm really intrigued by Jordan's car. Uh, I love the way the Razor works, uh, but that car that he has is absolutely insane. Triton engineering. I mean, the stuff that they did on that car is, is really top-notch. I'm really curious to see how well it does this year after they've got a year of development and testing and made a bunch of changes over the season on getting that car ready to go. Yeah,
2: me too. Because that, cause that car is actually different than the laser nut car, uh, and it's different than the rest of the cars being solid rear axle, it, it, it really is just a, you know, he calls it the Razor 10,000, it really is just a, uh, you know, 10th scale higher version of a Razor, uh, which is awesome, and if they could push something like that to production for $100,000, I'm sure that, you know, people would buy that up like nothing.
1: Yeah, I would say they're probably three hundred to $500,000 in that car. Ooh. A
2: little short on my estimation. <laughs> on
1: a little, uh, on guess, uh, I want to say the chassis alone is around 125000 for a rolling chassis.
2: Yeah. Fair with,
1: no, with nothing in it.
2: Man, that's, first off, that's bonkers. Second off, I remember, uh, I think it was Armada Engineering. Uh, I think I, they quoted me, I sent him an email just trying to get, you know, an idea of a price uh, so I could have a conversation about it. And did they build uh, Lauren Healy's IFS car? Do you know that? Or is that Jimmy's 4x4? I can't remember who built that car.
1: Originally, it was the Armada front clip that Jimmy's 4x4 that built off of. Armada did the design on the original front clip. Okay, gotcha.
2: Uh, I ended up asking them all in all, you know, what what's the chassis welded out from your shop? You know, just basically you send me a chassis, and it was like $225,000. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. I can't – that's, that's you know,
1: that's a house.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's
1: uh, it's a total different level when you talk to the West Coast guys uh, as far as the fabrication and stuff that they do out here. It's on a it's absolutely insane the stuff they come up with.
2: Yeah. It's just nuts. It's just nuts. But, uh, the 4,400 cars, you know, the, the, the reason I brought those up is there seems to be a disproportionate amount of attention from ultra four in terms of 4,400 versus side by sides. And I think that we, you know, we all know that 4,400 cars, they're bigger, they're faster, they're, you know, all those things set aside. Um, the purse for the 4400 cars is, if I'm not mistaken, substantially larger than first place for the UTVs. And I know that I've seen a couple of conversations around about that. But do you know the UTV purse for like first, second, and third place for King of Hammers? I, if I recall, I it, was, it was pretty low. I know
1: last year the first place guy I think got five grand.
2: Five uh, grand. It
1: won five grand last year for the for the UTV class.
2: That's ridiculous. Hang on. I'm, do you do you know what the forty four hundred first place was? I want
1: to say around forty to fifty.
2: Even that, that's pretty low too, man. So my question here, and, and I talk to this about with everyone who you know comes on as a racer. What are these promoters doing with the money? Because I, I get it. It takes a lot of money to to set these events up. The insurance is ridiculous, et cetera, et cetera. But like. I know what people pay to have to race in these races, and there's a lot of money being tossed around. Where does it go?
1: King of the Hammers is such a big event to put on um, as far as the permits and everything it takes to put on this event out here. It's absolutely astronomical. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes in. Uh, I've worked a lot with Joey with Pro Rock Racing. Um, and those guys probably have the best payouts in the country as far yeah. as payback for what the racers pay in. Uh, you can't beat the payouts that Pro Rock are putting out all season. Agreed. Um, it's kind of a sore subject with me as a racer. You know, it's, I would love to see greater payouts. Uh, I think the racers really deserve it, if you want my honest opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the amount of money we put in to make all this happen, and then to see the payout be so low, it's kind of uh, it's kind of rough to take. But then again, I guess the promoter side of it too. There's a lot of bills. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and but at the end of the day, it is a business, and nobody is in business to lose money. That's true. That's true. I just you know I to ask it. I I hate it as a racer more than anything that the payouts are so low. But at the same time. Uh, I get it. It is a business. I yeah, see, I I hate to see it. I say, but I see both sides of it.
2: Yeah, I and I agree. And and really, I think that you know this is kind of something uh, I've learned just from from listening to other people who 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 are in podcasting and things like that. If you can have a conversation about it and get people talking, that's that's a step. It's a step in hopefully a better direction. Whether it's clarity on why purse is what it is, or you know. Maybe even get that purse increased. And I actually just looked it up here on Ultra Four, and it says uh, King of the Hammers, Optima Batteries, has tripled the purse for Friday's Ultra Four race to one hundred thousand dollars. Twenty nineteen. Uh, let's see, the Ultra Fours will race Friday, February eighth. The winner will receive seventy five thousand.
1: Is that for forty four hundred cars? That's sounds- yeah. They ended up they ended up splitting the purse up last year and then payback. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take tenth place. First mm-hmm. is just paying. I think mean, the top five. Up. They ended up splitting it up between the top ten and paying down more spots. To cool. To get back more to the other races. that then I'm always more paying more. Position. You know what I mean? and takes a money out. It's always nicer.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it is Friday. I was I was thinking about this Friday, and I was like, no, that's when you guys are qualifying. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's that's next Friday, and I mean that's better. Apparently, it's going up, but. Uh, Yeah, we've
1: been really fortunate on the East Coast uh, with Pro Rock and SRS and the rock bouncing stuff. uh, All the big payouts that everybody's put out over the years, it's really kind of opened up everybody's eyes that the payouts in the endurance racing are not near what they are in the rock bouncing world.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I very much agree with you. And like I said, I think that my job as part of the media here is just to have the conversation about it and give racers an opportunity to voice their opinions and uh i've had promoters on here before too uh and give them a chance to answer back and and kind of just have the conversation and be a be a place where people can can kind of just talk about it because if no one talks about it nothing's going to change and uh nope. like i
1: said
2: you know if, it, if it's good change in either direction you know good for us at least you know it, it's going exactly
1: somewhere. exactly
2: but with that um King of Hammers is coming up. Uh, is there anything else on your mind, you know, just in terms of all the things that you have to do between now, qualifying, and, and race day?
1: It's a non-stop wide open until race day. Um, it's never ending. There's always something to do to be improving, whether it be free running prepping the car, uh, getting tool bags ready. It's, uh, it's a major undertaking to actually run this race and have good success out here. And, and you'll yeah. see like the top teams. I've learned a lot, of I've been fortunate enough to hang out with uh the Wilers and Miller and Casey Gilbert who's a two time winner of this race. uh the prep they put into it and everything that they do to make themselves successful right? there's a lot that they do that makes it happen. They just uh don't come out here and show up and win Yeah,
2: yeah, agreed, agreed, and I think that, you know, like I said, regular listeners of the show, you mentioned it earlier, um, the guys who are running Pro Rock, they stepped up the preparation for it, and obviously it paid out for them, so I think that, you know, we're seeing that that whole preparation, the long-term preparation, really making a big difference for everybody. let me see here. I had something else I wanted to ask you, and I just lost it because I was looking at the picture of your car. I was just thinking about it. It, it looks great. That's just, that's just, I hope it performs great.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the big thing. As long as it, uh, it works good, uh, I'll be really happy. I, I think we've got everything in mind. We're running pretty much all the same parts we ran last year, the ATV 4 place suspension, our CV axles. Uh, we really didn't change anything. As far as the mechanics of the car go, we're bringing the same setup. And, uh, I think we'll have a lot of success
2: with it. Now, ATV four play. That's that's actually something that got brought up to me. Um, you know, I was talking to a guy trying to sell my RS one, and he was like, you know, the the suspension components that I have on there, they're East Coast kind of heavier duty HD. They're made out of a little bit more heavier material. Is is the chrome molly that ATV four play? Is it you know obviously it's just as strong, if not stronger. Um, but it has a weight reduction there. Does that really come into play when you're, you know, talking about suspension components and things like that? Because you've run their setup for years now and seemingly have had no failures.
1: I've been really fortunate with uh, ATV four play arms and the Big teller Mega Ball joints. Um, they've been great. Uh, the chromoly really makes a difference. Uh, ATV four play builds. Outstanding product. I've actually been up to his shop uh, and had him build me a set of arms. While I was there, they've got everything gaed out. I mean, they've got a process for welding it. They, I mean, there's a lot that goes into making their suspension products more than just cut metal and weld it together. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I I mean, it's it's like I said. I've seen you run the same arms for a million years, so uh, there's definitely testament there. I just, you know, it, it seems like everyone makes a quality product and. Uh, as I'm starting to build my car, I want to know, you know, what what are the differences between, you know, the strongest stuff over here and then another set of the strongest stuff over here, um, because it's all it's all good. It just all has very subtle differences.
1: Yeah, you'll see little differences between or clean manufacturers. Um, there's so many companies now that are producing outstanding products. Uh, the side by side market, um, off roading in general, has grown so. You've seen everybody really step up their game and uh, really put quality products on the market for everybody.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, So let me ask you this. Uh, 4,400, who wins this year at King & Hammer?
1: That's a tough one. Um, Personally, I would love to see Tom Ways get his first win. Yeah. Uh, Tom is an outstanding guy. Yeah. I talk to Tom a lot. Um, I've got a lot of stuff. He tells me a lot of stuff about racing. He's a, he's one of the best to never win it. Uh, he's been really close a few times and just had really fluke stuff take him out. Mm-hmm. You can't count out Jason Sear. You can't count out Eric Miller. Uh, Healy. I mean, man, there's, there's a handful of them that got a chance, but, uh, I'm going to have to go with Tom. I'd really, he's really got his program together this year. Uh, I'd really like to see him. Take home his first win.
2: Is he running an I saw a couple posts from him, is he running a new car this year or did he just get a new tire sponsor?
1: Uh he's running the same car. You're okay. thinking of uh Paul Horschel.
2: Yep, you got it. You got me. See Yeah, look at that. Paul
1: Horschel uh <laughs> placed uh, tire sponsor this year. Uh, Warren Healy actually purchased his single seat car and that's the car he's racing this year. Wow. Ooh. Paul Horsel's single seater from last season and Paul's racing his two seater. Yeah. Uh, Warren Healy's gonna be fast. Uh, Paul Mortalsford and that car can run up front.
2: Yes, uh, yes, yes. he's been
1: out, he's been out front of the hammer of that car before he has Blue Mechanicals take him out. Yeah. Uh, I agree. It's crazy. Uh, so many different teams have stepped up their game substantially in the past few years. Uh, the speed that 4400 is now is insane. It's, uh, it's really fast. Yeah. Well, so, uh,
2: Note before we move on, uh, if you talk to Tom Ways, tell him. I reached out to him on Instagram and Facebook. Come give me a call back. I want to get him on the show. Just mention it yeah. to him. It's not like he's busy this week or this weekend. Probably. <laughs> yeah, he probably that.
1: doesn't have much going on. I know he's been <laughs> and getting everything ready. I know he's put a major effort into KLA's this year to try to make <laughs> yeah. it happen.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll bother you You'll bother him about that again another day. Um, the other question I had for you, what did you say just before I said Tom Ways? I get so dang distracted. Um, man, I'm the same way. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta start making notes when I'm doing this. Um, so the 4,400 class, super stacked, super competitive. Got it. Uh, the trophy trucks, trophy trucks are running out there again for the second year um what are those cars like in person obviously east coast guys we don't really ever get to see those fully built cars um what is a trophy truck like in person and are they really going 140 miles an hour through the desert
1: they're really going 140 miles an hour um it's the most impressive off-road vehicle you'll ever see in your life the things that those trophy trucks can do it, it defies physics um and the sound. The best way, I mean, being from the east coast is describe it as a big power boat like going across the lake wide open. You hear that sound. Wow. And that's what you that's what the trophy trucks sound like off in the desert. I mean, as they're skipping across the loops and just leaving the big dust trails. It's uh it's something you've gotta see in person. If you ever have the chance to come out here and see trophy trucks, uh you it's well worth it. So
2: they don't run any like technical rock sections, but if I recall they had some sections that were just kind of like chattery rocks. Um, is that difficult for them? Because obviously you see them slow down and things like that. But uh, it seems like even in those moderately sized, chattery, really just busy rocks, they're still doing 70, 80 miles an hour.
1: Yeah, the trophy truck's really um, any terrain. It really doesn't bother them other than, like, the big rocks, um, those guys race Baja, and Baja's got a bunch of the same old canyon stuff that you got to run to, them, like small choppy rocks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the new trophy trucks are all-wheel drive. They're wow. really impressive. The new Mason, Mason Motorsports trucks are all, all-wheel drive. Um, you're seeing a lot of the technology starting to go in between the Ultra 4 cars and the trophy trucks now as far as front differential transfer cases, uh, four-wheel drive technology is starting to swap over. You're seeing a lot of the same general design between the two cars.
2: Yeah. That's that's pretty amazing that they're able to um just that they're able to run that that full drivetrain at that speed and just have that kind of abuse just I mean, everyone who's seen videos of, of of just trophy trucks going to the desert, man, that's just that's some rough on parts stuff right there for sure.
1: It um until you see it in person it the videos don't do trophy trucks just um, like they look like they're going fast out uh-huh. there. When you watch them on TV, um, you can tell they're really moving. But when they come by you, when you're standing there at seventy-five, ninety miles an hour, or three, four foot loops, it's it's insane. Yeah, yeah.
2: That sounds that sounds awesome. To me, that sounds like the the up close and personal portions of the race. Um, that that might be the most exciting thing to see come screaming across.
1: Yeah, there's really of multiple parts of that, but there is not like a perfect
2: book. Mm-hmm. Okay. King of the motos, uh this is something I feel like doesn't get any highlight at all and, and I know that it's not really in our spectrum for the podcast, but um what kind of crazy person has to get in a on a dirt bike and wants to go through these technical rock sections? Are they are they going through the hammers on, on dirt bikes?
1: Yeah, they actually run um, a lot of the hammer trails on the dirt bikes. Uh, Dude, that's nuts. That's a funny story, yeah. We came out here. It was one of the first years we were out here. Um, I got the bright idea. I grew up racing motorcycles and stuff. uh was a pretty decent rider. And uh, I was like, I'm going to buy a dirt bike while I'm out here. And uh, if you one up from a bomb shop, have something to ride out in the desert to kind of enjoy while we're hanging out uh, watching the race. So uh, I got the ended up on a dirt bike and going out and uh we hit one of the rock trails i made it a hundred yards in and uh gave up i was like oh. absolutely no way that this is possible and those guys make it look like a paved road
2: yeah they dude, just the the physical fitness of those guys like look i'm an in shape guy i i do i do jujitsu i lift weights all that stuff you couldn't pay me to try to get out there and throw a bike around like they do that's nuts man
1: no i made it about a hundred yards of a, it wasn't a hard rock trail um it was relatively easy and i literally was done i had to set the bike on a rock and sit down and take a break <laughs> for 20 minutes because i was done I, was, I get it i don't know how they do it i really don't it's uh they're extremely fit athletes to do what they do
2: now, how, how far of a race do they run? Because they're running on Saturday this year. Um, did, and let's see what time it is here. The Progressive King of the Moto Main Start three laps from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's a long time to get out there and do
1: that. Yeah, and uh, the stuff they're climbing is no joke. I mean, they've been above some really tough rock obstacles, loose sand hills, open desert. I mean, a little bit of everything all mixed in.
2: That's just nuts, man. Those might be the wildest people out there. They're something else. Um Well anyways Uh Just wanted to run through All the other things Going on there 4400 T100 Cars Or T1 I don't even know What they're called Uh And the motos Um All in all You know That's pretty much What I had for you Any any last thoughts You have or you, oh, Actually I do want to ask you Where are you going to be The rest of the year Are you racing Pro Rock Again this year
1: Yeah I'm going to do Uh The whole Pro Rock series This year again Um Follow that I'll do the Ultra 4 series uh East Coast racing Um uh, We'll see how that goes. If we're in the hunt for national points, we'll make the trip to Reno at -hmm. the end of the year. Did Uh, you go to Reno this year? No, I ended up missing Reno this year. Uh, Turtle Turtles having their local race, uh, the final of their series this year, the King of the Shell series. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't after uh, blowing a motor up in Oklahoma and having another mechanical at AOP at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the race of the season um i decided to skip nationals and just stay home and run the local race at dirty turtle and support them All
2: right, is that king of the shell series is that a, is that a is it competitive
1: yeah there's uh there's a few fast guys that come and race it uh i wish a lot more people come out and run the event dirty turtle i mean they've got a top notch facility and uh they do great payouts
2: do they is it just on the track or is it like basically the endurance course
1: um, they run the track, and then they also run, we do about a mile loop through the woods, and then we come back out on the short course, hmm. and we end up doing, uh, I want to say, about 15 laps. 15
2: laps. Man, dude, that's a long, that's a long time. I'm going to actually, uh, I'm going to look into that, King of the Show. i may see if I can make it up there for one of those races. That sounds like a good time.
1: Yeah, it's a great series, uh, especially if anybody wants to get into racing and give it a shot. Uh, it's a great series to start out in.
2: Cool. Cool. I'll definitely definitely have to check that out. Um, well that's all I had for you, uh, this time. Is there any uh anything else you wanna like talk about, close out with, anything like that? Nah,
1: not really, man. Uh, just everybody get out to the races if you can, support uh all the people that make it possible, all the promoters, whether it be a pro rock, southern rock race, ultra four, uh come out, support Yeah. Them, say hi, come walk through the pits, uh if you want to talk to anybody, you got any questions for anybody up any of the drivers are more than happy to uh, do anything for anybody
2: absolutely i can i'm a can testify to that big time uh everyone has been super welcoming and me just coming to hang out and then eventually the race and all that fun stuff and I think that that's something that you know we always try to articulate to the listeners but um james with that that's been it's been awesome to have you on the show uh good luck man. Good luck. I hope that the, the ailments are behind you, uh, I hope you guys finish the race. I hope you guys don't have any fuel issues or anything like that with the new fuel cell. Uh, I hope it is just flawless. And I hope that, uh I hope you guys know that everyone back East will be watching you guys not only qualify, but we'll be watching you race and uh I'll be cheering you from the couch all day Sunday.
1: Yeah, we appreciate it, man. Uh We'll be pushing hard and always uh giving it our best to see what we can come away with. Hopefully we can bring home a uh, podium back to the East Coast.
2: Yes sir, we are, we are patiently waiting for it to come over here. So, uh, with that, where can people find you on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, or anything like that? What are all your handles?
1: Uh, you can find me, uh, Jay Cantrell502 on Instagram, uh, James Cantrell. I've got an athlete page on Facebook, and, uh, I try to keep that updated as possible. Uh, Cole Shirley will be doing updates on MadRam11. Through their Instagram and Facebook all year too, at all the different races.
2: Cool, man. Cool. Uh, well, with that, we'll close it out, James. Thanks for making it. Uh, thanks for making it a priority for for being on here because I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. And thanks for working with us as we lost cell signal and all that fun stuff. And uh, like I said, nothing but the best of luck for you this weekend. Um, I'll be cheering for you just as hard as I can. And uh, if, if there's anything you need back here at home, uh, just give us a call.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate it and uh, thanks for doing the podcast. Uh, it's really awesome. I've had a good time being on it and a good time listening to all the other episodes with everybody. I think everybody really enjoys what you're doing.
2: Cool, man. I, uh, like I said, just a fan, just a fan getting to talk to people he looks up to. So it's, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. But, uh, with that, we'll close it out. I'll give you a call here in just a couple minutes and we'll kind of sort out the rest of the details. But James, thanks for being on the show and, uh, good luck at King of the Hammers. Sounds good, buddy. Thank you very much.